Welcome back, friends. Lostgarf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. In this podcast, we're going to talk about everything Kirby that has to do from the beginning, when they first came out, to the present. You can also find us on Twitter at Kirby Dreamcast, where we will tweet about the podcast and retweet all things about Kirby news and fan art and toys and things like that. So let's get to the news. First up has got to be that HAL has launched a new Twitter for HAL Egg, which is their mobile phone division. They currently have only one game, which is called Part-Time UFO. It's for $4 in mobile, and it's super cute, and it's really fun. And I can't wait to see what other mobile games they make in the future. What I like is they're not doing a gotcha setup or trying to get a lot of money out of you. They're just doing straightforward, here's how much it's going to cost, play the game, and there you go. And I'm liking Part-Time UFO a lot. It's, it's literally your UFO, and you're doing like a crane game with it kind of thing with physics and everything. And it's just pretty fun. I like it. Second news is that uh, the 8th anniversary of Kirby Return to Dreamland is going to be on the 24th of October. Want to mention that in case I forget it next time. And the last news is that we're doing a Kirby Inktober this year. It'll be a couple days into October when this uh, episode comes out. But if you want to join in, check out the Reddit. We'll have the link to it in the description down below so you can participate if you want. It's on the main Kirby Reddit. Some people are saying they want to join me on it. So there you go with that. Two more news. Apparently there's just so much news I forgot. The Kirby Cafe is getting a permanent spot in Tokyo. Ain't that something? That's going to be great. I was scared I wasn't going to get to be able to go. And now I will be able to go because I don't expect that restaurant to go down anytime soon. Everybody loves Kirby. So it's going to be awesome to be able to go there in the future, not to worry about going now. That's pretty great right there. And the final bit of news, the last bit is a heavy one. And that is, did you know who Kirby was named after? He was named after John Kirby. The lawyer who defended Nintendo from Universal in the 80s. They had this whole legal dispute over Donkey Kong, and if it wasn't for John Kirby, things could have gone very badly for Nintendo. And Nintendo was so moved by this man, that when Kirby came out, it was named after him. When they were developing Kirby, he was named after this man. A man that was very important to Nintendo early up. And Kirby has done so much for Nintendo and for Hell, and... Yeah, perfect namesake. He died on the 4th of October... 2019. Thank you, John Kirby. So today's episode is episode 25 of the Kirby Right Back At You anime, and it is titled Like Mother Like Snail, Escargoon Rules. The Japanese title is Escargoon in Mother's Eyes. As you can guess, this episode has to do with the Escargoon's mother coming to visit, and by the way, just telling you ahead of time, Kirby is the bestest boy in this episode. You want to see Kirby be a good boy? This is the episode to see, for sure. Also, just to make it shorter, so I don't just keep calling Escargoon's mom because you never get her name, I'm just going to call her Escar Mom. I just like that name right now. So let's talk about her really quick. So she looks just like her son. She's just more ladylike. She's got lady guy glasses. She's got, like, old lady glasses kind of thing. She's got eyelashes, lipstick. She's got a sundress on, unlike her son who's naked all the time. Like, she just looks more like motherly, or like a grandmother kind of look. That's really what she is. Funny thing is, Ted Lewis voices Escargoon's mother. He's also the voice of King Dedede and Escargoon, so just picture that. He's voicing all these different characters who will be talking in this episode. How, how does that feel to do voices like that? <laughs> to have to do all these different ones in a conversation. If you want to know more about Ted Lewis, uh, refer back to episode 6 of the podcast to learn more about him because I talk about him in depth more there. But I'll mention some things right now. That is, he did a lot of voices under four kids. He is the voice of Yami Bakura. He was the voice director of Yu-Gi-Oh! itself, so all of that when it comes to the voices, that's thanks to him. Unless you don't like the voices, then that's thanks to him. In the Japanese version, she is voiced by Keiko Yamato, who has been in voice acting since 1963. She is still active at the age of 76, so dang. Uh, I don't really know her for anything, but apparently she's best known as Bakuban in Tensai Bakuban, Hanazawa in Saze-san, 
Sunakake Baba in GGG no Kitaro, and Yamada-kun in Chibi Maruko Chen. I don't know any of those, but apparently those are her most famous roles since she's been active for so long, she's done a lot of voices. Someone probably knows who she is. This is also her only voice uh, for the Kiburat Bekecha anime. So the episode starts with the kids arguing with Escarhoon because he doesn't want to let the kids have a playground on the castle grounds. For some reason, he does a little dance in celebration of turning down the kids. It's, it's really goofy looking, like, I don't know how to word it, like, he's just moving his shoulders around and stuff, and he's just really enjoying the fact that the kids don't get to have a playground. He's kind of a jerk. Curiously, I think that the first time we ever see Falalo and Falalo standing on their feet instead of flying in the air when they're having this argument. I think we've seen them sitting. I'm pretty sure they were sitting when they were at around the campfire during the, uh, the episode with the lost hero of the Star Warriors. But this is the first time I think we've seen them actually on their feet. So it just looks kind of odd to see them like that. Which is funny because they're Fala and Falalo, which based on the games, they're always on their feet. They don't fly in those games. Tuff then tells Escargoon that they'd never help Escargoon if he got in trouble since he never helps them out. And Escargoon scowls at this since he'd never need help from these kids anyway. But then Melman the Mailman shows up and he says there's a love letter for Escargoon. Another one at that. Like, implying that there's been more than one. So Escargoon gets red-faced and yells at Melman for being nosy. And the kids are, of course, very curious about this letter because what? Someone sending Escargoon love letters? Tuff figures it'd be hate mail, not love letters. But after reading the letter, Escargoon asks the kids for help, and he's really desperate. Of course they don't want to help him because of what he just did a moment ago. And then Escargoon starts begging them and slowly crawling towards them. And the animation here is pretty funny because we see Falala and Falalo slowly float away backwards while Tiff and Tuff walk backwards. But Kirby, the way he reacts to the situation is he rolls backwards. And it just looks silly because when they stop, Kirby's just on his back on the ground. He's like, eh, <laughs> thought we're going to keep going, I guess. But Escargoon says he needs help because he needs help with a very special person. And they ask who, and Escargoon says, it's his mommy. Kirby stands there very confused. And then we get the great opener, as always. So, I swear, almost every episode is Kirby standing there confused before the opener. I don't know how many it's been. It would have been interesting to do a count of that. But a lot of episodes are just Kirby confused. It's like, huh? Like, there's this one, the Midnight Duel episode, he's like that. There's just a lot of episodes where Kirby's just like, huh? And then, opener. Over and over and over again, we keep getting that kind of opener set up. It's interesting, but also just funny that it just keeps happening, because I guess because Kirby's a baby, that's how it is. So after the awesome opener, Escargoon explains the situation. When he left home, he swore he would become a, someone worthy of being proud of someday. So whenever he writes home, he lies about his exploits, and this time he went too far. He actually wrote to his mother that the Cappies of Dreamland elected him king. So of course his mother wants to come visit to see her son, the king. So, uh, oops! We then see Escargoon asking Sir Ibram Ladylike for help as well, and in the end Sir Ibram decides that, yes, they will help Escargoon for the sake of his mother, not him. Escargoon thanks them and then says if they get caught, it was their idea, not his. <laughs> because not only do they need to fool his mother, but they need to fool King Dedede as well, because he's not going to be okay with his ruse. And they're going to need not only Sir Ibram and Ladylike, but the entire Cappy town. And Sir Ibram luckily is a very respected individual who can make this happen. Tiff and Tuff don't want to help, but Cerebrum says it's for the mother, not for Escargoon, so then they relent. They then decide that they need to make Kirby the one who welcomes his mother, because Kirby can't talk. Kirby can't give away what's going on, so it should work out that way. And when they decide on Kirby, the camera goes on Kirby, and he makes this incredibly cute face when he's chosen. It's very cute. Kirby's incredibly cute in this episode. So cut to later, when they go to meet Escargoon's mother, 
And Tuff comments that Kirby's perfect for the job because he can't say anything wrong, like I said a moment ago. And when they get to Eskar Mom, Tuff laughs and comments that she looks exactly like Eskar Goon. By the way, this joke is going to be reoccurring, so I'm just going to put a counter here. Count one on this mom joke, looking like Eskar Goon. We're going to hear it a couple times. It's going to get tiresome, but it is the joke they decide to lean on for some reason. They then send out Kirby, and he runs up to her and gives her a note that says Kirby is Eskar Goon's servant, and he will be helping her. Kirby, of course, is very cute doing this. So she gives Kirby a bag of cookies, which he happily accepts. Then a gust of wind yanks Eskar Mom's umbrella out of her hands, and it flies down a chasm. So Kirby, being resourceful and a good boy, goes and gets a giant leaf stalk and gives it to Eskar Mom to use as an umbrella. Goodest boy count number one. <laughs> He's just the goodest boy in this episode. Like, a lot. By the way, it confounds Tuff that Eskar Mom is so nice, especially because her son is so mean. Like, how can she make such a mean son when she's such a nice person? And we're never going to learn that. I guess it's just because she just... He, sometimes her rotten eggs are out an egg. <laughs> so we cut to Capitown, and we see Sir Ibram with Eskar Goon convincing the citizens to help him out. They don't really want to help him. They think it's probably a trick, but they relent because Eskar Goon begs them all. The mayor is like, it is for his mother, so we'll try. And Chief Bookham actually says, it's okay as long as they don't do anything illegal, but I'm pretty sure fraud is illegal, so what the heck, Chief Bookham? What the heck? We then jump in time to when Eskar Mom shows up, and there's banners with King Eskar Goon on them. Everyone's throwing confetti at the arrival of the king's mother. There's just a whole parade kind of procession going on there. The Waddle Dees are helping out as well with drums and trumpets. And it's just a whole thing celebrating her arrival. Cerebrum actually drives King Dedede's tank, and Eskar Goon is in the position of where King Dedede usually is as he rides on top of the tank. And he then welcomes his mother. And the citizens then note that Eskar Goon looks exactly like his mom. So, count two on this joke. And so the act begins. Eskar Goon pretends to be king in front of his mother. And... She embarrasses him immediately, because what happens here is he says, this is an extremely suspicious occasion. I mean, this is an auspicious collusion. <laughs> he just keeps blowing it and already kind of making messing things up. And he starts slouching because he's like, oh, geez, I'm messing it up. And then she tells him to stop slouching because like, he's in front of his subjects. He shouldn't be slouching. She calls him a slouchy slumper and then yells at him about it because she's like, come on, you got to be kingly and kingworthy and everything. And this just makes all the cafes laugh. And they all like the mother. By the way, she gives cookies to everybody. As they're going around, she's giving cookies to just random citizens because they're the citizens of her son. Escargoon then takes her on a tour. First stop is Chef Kawasaki's, where he says it's the best food in town. Chef Kawasaki notes that usually he says the food is awful, so okay. Then there's a couple more jokes at Chef Kawasaki's expense. Then they go to Professor Curio's shop. Escar mom is impressed, and she thinks that her son should open a museum for Professor Curio. And Eskar Goon says, yeah, imagine that. Now for Curio, he says, I imagine having one all the time. And he looks incredibly sad and defeated because they're just putting in front of him like, hey, a museum, wouldn't that be nice? Like, yeah, I really like one. He's never going to get one because this is the town he lives in. So it's just, ouch, just so depressing, so defeated, ow. We then go over to the police station and Chief Bookham tells Eskar Mom that, thanks Eskar Goon, the crime rate is pretty low, but the taxes are pretty high. Eskar Mom is shocked about the heavy taxes, so Eskar Goon yells at the mayor that there will be no more taxes, which of course he has got no control over, so the mayor's like, okay. We then see everyone having a picnic with Eskar Mom, and they're enjoying the cookies she gave them, and we get a rare shot of Kirby eating from the side view, and it looks kind of weird, like he's just happily enjoying his cookies, but it's just such a weird shot, because we never get a shot like that usually. 
Eskar's mom starts fanning herself because it's so hot, and Kirby takes notice. He notices this, so he grabs the leaf stalk from before, and he fans her with it. So goodest boy count number two, and he's just really cute while he's doing this, by the way. He's just, Kirby's incredibly cute. I can't stop saying it because he's just really on, on point when it comes to the cuteness this episode. Eskar's mom mentions that her son used to fan her when he was a young boy, too, and she looks at him and says that she's so proud of him becoming a king and all. She then says the castle looks great, and she can't wait for the tour. Which, of course, stresses Escargoon the heck out. He's like, oh, 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 right, of course this is going to be the next step of this whole thing. So now they got to do the castle. So as they head to the castle, we see King Dedede's rampaging around looking for Escargoon, because, well, Escargoon is his main henchman, so where the heck is he? The group arrives, and then a weird thing happens. So the US version does a weird change. King Dedede walks up to the tank, points at Escar mom, and starts yelling at her. And then he looks at the two of them and realizes, oh, wow, they're twins. And he's been yelling at Eskar Mom instead of Eskar Goon. And so in the Japanese version, that's what happens. He's, he points at Eskar Mom. He's like, what the, he- what the heck, Eskar Goon? I've been looking for you. And he's actually yelling at, at the mom instead. And then he realizes, oh, there's Eskar Goon. He's like, wait, they're twins. What's going on here? So that's the third time this joke happens. But the US version, for some reason, did a dub change. And in it, King Dedede, uh, while pointing Eskar Mom, is yelling at Eskar Goon, saying, why are you wearing a crown? I'm the only king here. And obviously, she's not wearing a crown while he's pointing at her. Now, if they somehow made an edit where he's pointing at Escargoon, that would have been fine, but they didn't, so it's a really weird continuity error right there. And when he knows they're identical, I like what he says, he calls them Escardanical, which is a pretty funny joke to me. It's like, oh, these puns, oh my god. Another weird thing here that happens a few more times in the episode is an arc decision. That is, for some reason, when we see Escargoon and his mother, on occasion, he's 3D Escargoon instead of 2D, while his mom is always 2D in the episode. It's a very weird choice to make, like we can't tell which one's which, I don't know what they're going with here, but for some reason they keep making them 3D. Eskar mom asks why he says he's the king, and Tiff tells her that King Didi is actually a court jester. She then introduces Eskar Goon's mother to uh, King Didi, and he laughs upon seeing how they look identical. So he's doing the same joke again already, so I guess that's number four on the count. Eskar mom gives King Didi a bag of cookies, and they leave a confused King Didi. Like, no one's explained to King Didi what's going on yet, so he's extremely confused. He's like, what? Huh? I don't understand. And as they walk the castle, Eskarmom comments that she likes the jester and that he must knock her, her son out with jokes. She's half right about that, after all. <laughs> they then walk by Meta and the Knights, and Meta Knight has a laugh about the whole thing. In the Japanese version, Meta Knight is laughing about it because he's like, Eskarguna's mom looked the same, and he laughs about it. So that's the same joke a fifth time. We're not even past 10 minutes, that's the same joke again, wow. Whereas the US version implies more that Meta Knight's laughing because, well, King Didi's not the king and Escargoon's the king for a day, he just thinks that's funny. Next, everyone's eating together at the royal dinner table, and Escargoon's at the head of the table. They have a toast in her honor, and then King Didi shows up, and he's angry because what is she doing in his seat? And she's like, oh hey, it's the jesters, and she's like, you need to have better material than saying you're the king, maybe some knock-knock jokes. And King Didi thinks that maybe he's having a nightmare and sits down to eat. And Eskar mom just really likes King Didi. She just thinks he's a hilarious jester. And he's like, I ain't no jester. Like, King Didi is weird with his puns. And he angrily hits the table. And when that happens, a fork, his fork, falls to the ground. Now this next moment is key. Because from this point forward, Eskar Goon makes the worst mistakes he could possibly make. And he makes them over and over and over again. And he didn't have to make this mistake at all, but he keeps doing it because that's who Eskar Goon is. A dummy. King Dedede tells Escargoon to fetch his fork, and Escargoon says, Pick it up yourself, clowny. Which of course shocks King Dedede. 
Esker mom tells her son to order a new fork for the poor boy, and Esker Goon then says, let him eat with his hands like usual. Which, huh, who knows? Maybe King Dedede does actually eat with his hands more than a fork or, or something, or Esker Goon's projecting. But either way, this just makes King Dedede matter. But before he can do anything, Kirby sucks up all of King Dedede's food right in front of him, and that's the final straw. King Dedede pulls out his hammer and he's ready to hit somebody, but before he can smash anything, Tiff jumps in and pulls King Dedede to the kitchen and explains what's going on. Finally, someone's explaining what's going on to King Dedede, which is so weird to take so long to do. So with the explanation and everything, King Dedede's like, okay, so Escargoon's the king, that makes me a commoner for a day, and then he comes up with a scheme, because of course he does. Next, it's night, and there's festivities in the courtyard, and there's fireworks being blasted up by the Waddle Dee army. You got Waddle Dee, as always, leading his men. These guys are so good. The, the Waddle Dee army is amazing, and I'll say more when we see more stuff in this episode, but it's just great to see the Waddle Dees just be so active, because they're just... Waddle Dees are awesome. <laughs> so all the Cappies are there to celebrate Eskar Mom, and she asks how she can thank everyone, and they say make more cookies, because they love it. And she says, well, I'll need a royal oven. Thankfully, she's got one. Which everyone laughs at, which is, yeah, sure, that was funny. <laughs> we then see that King Didi is being a great host to his fellow commoners. And Eskar Mom mentions that she's getting thirsty, so Eskar Goon orders King Dedede, not a Waddle Dee, mind you, King Dedede, to get a drink for his mother. Which, of course, annoys King Dedede. Eskar Goon is just digging that grave deeper. He's just digging that hole deeper. Oh, man. Tiff, however, asks King Dedede to please keep playing along, and he relents. Because, well, he's just letting it go for some weird reason. He then serves Eskar Mom a soda, but she'd rather have tea. So Eskar Goon orders King Dedede to get tea, which makes him stare at Eskar Goon with rage. Honestly, if Escargoon died just now, would anyone be surprised? I don't think so. He just keeps ordering and bossing King Dedede around, which is not going to go well for him. But King Dedede eventually says, anything you wish, sire, and leaves. Tiff doesn't think King Dedede's going to take much more of this treatment, and yeah, totally, there's no way. The mayor then mentions that he's planning on giving Eskar Mom the key to the city in the morning, but she says she needs to leave tomorrow. Everyone wants her to stay, but Sir Ibram reminds them that they can't keep up the charade much longer. Kirby, however, gets really sad and runs up to Eskar Mom. She says she'll miss him too, and Kirby just looks really sad here. And you get it, because he's never really had a sweet mother figure in his life before. Or like a grandmother figure, whatever way you want to put her as the figure, he's never had that. And Kirby has been, you know, being the bestest boy with her, and that's just too bad that he's not going to have her around soon. He's only been with her for a day, and he's just loving her having her around. King Dedede then returns with some tea, and then he says, Hey, let's play a game. Let's play the monster game. Which worries Escargoon, because of course it should. King Dedede tells Eskar Mom that the king likes to summon monsters and attack the town. Eskar Mom doesn't want to believe it, but then King Dedede summons the rain, and the Waddle Dee army comes out with umbrellas for everyone. Kirby, being the goodest boy, holds the leaf stalk out from before over Eskar Mom's head. Goodest boy count number three right there. King Dedede, though, yanks the leaf away and gives her an actual umbrella. The loaves then show up and tell everyone that the rain is fake and that King Dedede made it. We then see the Waddle Dee army with fire hoses to cause the fake rain. And I, I really wish we had a count for how good these Waddle Dee army is, because they've done so many things. They've done so many things already, and they're going to do so many more things later on. They're a really effective unit, and just wow. They've passed out, like, tons of newspapers. They've been a TV production crew. They've been a theater production crew. They're managing fireworks. They clean up. They cater. They do so many things for this town. They also are the town guards. They're also the castle guards. They do so much. They do so many things. It's just cool to see the Waddle Dee army just be utilized and do stuff. And by the way, eventually there will be a Waddle Dee specific episode about the army, and I cannot wait for that episode. 
King Didi then orders the rain to stop, and the umbrellas wake up and chew on everybody. King Didi explains that they're called Drifter Monsters. Drifter Monsters are actually from Kirby's Dream Land 2, and they only show up in that one game. They give the parasol ability, and the way they look are they're just these green umbrellas with a big eye in front on them. And I guess when they close, that the closing part of them is their teeth, and so they're chewed on everyone to terrorize people. Eskar Mom becomes really angry at her son for being a tyrant. But Eskar Goon says, no, no, it's the, actually the real king who does it, King Dedede. And so the truth comes out. This, of course, shocks her mom and everyone's like, oh no, the charade's up. And then Eskar Goon apologizes to his mother, who forgives him instantly because she'll always love her son no matter what. He cries and hugs his mother, and he says he loves his mommy. <laughs> she then says, though, that Eskar Goon would make a better king than King Dedede. And then she says King Dedede's a hard-hearted king, and this angers him, of course, so he orders the entire Drifter army to attack Eskar Mom. All of them. Eskar Goon stands in front of his mother, ready to get horribly destroyed by the monsters. But then Kirby sucks up some Drifters and becomes Parasol Kirby. Now here's his transformation sequence. This is him. He jumps in the air. He always jumps in the air for his transformations. But then he lands on the Parasol, and it starts twirling him and spins him like a ball on it hilariously. And Kirby's just getting dizzy. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. But then Kirby jumps off from the parasol, grabs the handle, and then does a happy pose with the parasol, and it just looks great. Personal note, Parasol Kirby is my favorite Kirby power of all time. In modern times, Bell Kirby has become my second favorite power for Kirby. I love Bell Kirby a lot. Too bad this anime is like 10-15 years before Bell Kirby, so we don't get to see that in this. So Kirby lands and it's time to fight. Surprisingly, there's no Meta Knight to explain Parasol Kirby. And then the army of Drifters gets sent to attack Kirby, and he runs up and knocks a bunch of them away with a swing of his parasol. And then Meta Knight shows up to explain Kirby's parasol Kirby. So, spoke too soon there. He doesn't really say what the powers are, though. That's what's weird, he just says it's parasol Kirby, and that's it. Kirby then blasts more and more Drifters away, using his parasol, and then eventually he has to face King Dedede one-on-one, who's wielding a parasol as well. And he attacks him with the Drifter, but Kirby easily gets away, and then catches King Dedede with the parasol grab. This is a famous grab that you see in many of the Kirby games, and it is, he's got King Dedede on the, on the parasol, just like Kirby was during the transformation, and he starts twirling around on it, and he's spinning him on him and making King Dedede dizzy now. And Med Knight actually mentions, he's like, well, Kirby's really got his own spin on this, and he's like, oh my god, yes he does, but oh my god. Interesting thing, we see this parasol grab in different incarnations, it's always Kirby grabbing an enemy and killing them, but there's also a variation of it that is in Kirby's Dream Land 3, where Rick actually spins Kirby like a ball in the parasol when they're together, and it hurts enemies that way. It'd be interesting to see if that is in this, because I believe Dream Land 3 was also out at the time of this anime. They actually, let's see here, I think they go as far as Air Ride. I think Air Ride is out around the, near the end of the anime, so that's how far, when it comes to the games, that they can pull from for the anime, and we see quite a few things from different games for that. Unfortunately, nothing... Yeah, we don't see anything N64 level, unfortunately. Kirby then throws King Dedede into a fireworks launcher, which blasts King Dedede up into the air, and then Kirby jumps into a cannon himself and gets blasted up too. And then Kirby's just happily looking at King Dedede while they're both in the air, because I guess it's playtime to Kirby now. And then King Dedede opens up the drifter to float away from Kirby. Unfortunately for him, the fireworks are still firing, and the drifter he's holding gets Dedede disintegrated, and King Dedede falls to his not-death. <laughs> Kirby then floats down in the sky happily, just like he did in the New Year's episode. Like, just happily down with the fireworks all around, but the only difference is he doesn't put Happy New Year's this time. Eskar Mom then says her son's willingness to sacrifice himself shows he has the heart of the king. And the next morning, everyone says their goodbyes, and Kirby gives Eskar Mom the leaf stalk again. 
After she leaves, Tuff asks for the playground again, and Escargoon says, that's what abandoned buildings are for, and he happily leaves. So of course, this annoys the kids, they're not happy about this, and they run after him. Kirby, though, is busy waving goodbye to Escar Mom before happily rejoining his friends. The end. So that is the end of the 25th episode of Kirby Right Back At Ya. We are one-fourth through the anime, and I really enjoy this anime. It's really good, really cute, really fun. There's a lot of action in it, there's a lot of comedy, there's a lot of just cuteness to it. I'm loving it a lot, and of course there are those sadder episodes too. This anime, it just goes places. It's very impressive that they do that. Especially when you have like, let's see here. I think this is one of the cuter episodes, one of the more action- Oh, the next episode is going to be one of the most action-packed episodes, can't wait for that. But the saddest episodes, we've already seen two of them already. We saw the dog episode and the snowman episode. And episode 30 is the next sad episode, and we're almost there. But episode 26 is one of the more action-heavy episodes, and I can't wait for us to talk about that one, because that one's really, really good. Random criticism I gotta give, though, is... Yeah, it's weird to have Escargoon be 3D while his mom's 2D. It just really stands out very weirdly. Another interesting thing is, we get a bunch of different art styles of Kirby in this one. We get 2D and 3D Kirby, and we also get, like, really mini Kirby and a bigger Kirby. And just interesting ways of just Kirby being shown. And Kirby being the goodest boy in this episode, and Parasol Kirby, I really like this episode a lot. I really enjoy it. But the next episode, episode 26, is one of the best episodes in the anime. It's easily top 10, maybe top 5, I'm not sure. And if you saw the Yusei Poyo video I made a while back, that's based on this episode. Does spoil some things if you saw that video, but it's based on this episode. And this episode's pretty good, there's a lot of action to it, it gives a lot of backstory to Meta and his knights, and we get to see Kirby have a very important fight, and Kirby's pretty badass in this episode, so I cannot wait to talk about that one. Also, we're almost done with Kirby's Dream Course, so that I can cover that episode as well. I still need to do some more research on it, and still got more of the game to play. That game is bigger than I expected, it really is, I didn't know that. I remember playing as a kid and just didn't think it was that big. It's actually pretty big, there's a lot to play in that game. So that right there is the podcast. As always, please share the podcast with other Kirby fans, because I really want to just share this with everybody. I want to enjoy Kirby with as many people as possible. It's just more fun with more people. Also, if you're listening on iTunes, please give a review. iTunes actually does care about reviews, so that's good to keep in mind. And so ends another Kirby's Dreamcast. I had fun talking, and I hope you had fun watching and or listening. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. <laughs>